to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, once again, we're going to be looking at verses 34 through 40. As we look at the great commandments, the two great commandments which we just heard, which are to love God and to love neighbor. To love God, our creator and our redeemer. Our highest and greatest good with all of our hearts. Yes, it means to love Him with our emotions and our affections and our enjoyment. But it means more than that. It means to love Him with the the center of our being, the organ of our spiritual life. And we talked about how to love God with all of our hearts means to uh, not worship gods other than Him. And it means to not remake Him in our own image. To love God with all of our souls, the whole of our lives, the the whole of our person, both physical and spiritual. And so we talked about uh, what it looks like to love God with all of our souls means that we would love Him so much in our inner person that extends to our outer person so that our words are different. And our lives, our actions are different. And even our schedule is different as we looked at not misusing His name and honoring His day. And this morning we're going to look at how to love God with all of our minds. Now we've been looking at all these different parts of, of who we are. Heart and soul and mind. We've been looking at them separately as a learning tool. And that's helpful as far as it goes. But the truth is that, that heart, soul and mind cannot be easily separated. They're all integral parts of, of who we are as human beings made in God's image. And we can't separate Uh, the whole of our lives from the center of our spiritual lives. We can't fully separate our emotions and our affection and our devotion and our commitment from our thoughts. We can't separate our idols and our attempts to remake God in our own image from how we speak and how we act and what our schedule looks like. We cannot segment our person, even though we try to do that with different identities in different locations, right? Don't we all struggle with being a different person at work than we are at home, being a different person on Sunday mornings here at church uh, than we are with our friends? But the reality is that we are all of who we are at all times. And Jesus commands us to love all that God is with all that we are. And also loving God with our whole selves, though that is what we were created for, uh, to recognize that that does not come naturally to us. And it doesn't come naturally to us because we are by nature sinners. Because we inherit sin from our first parents, Adam and Eve, we are oriented away from God and not toward Him. We do not love God with all that we are. In fact, the opposite is true. But out of love for us, Right? We do not love God with our heart, soul, and mind in our natural state, but out of love for us, God acts. And He gives us what Jesus tells Nicodemus is called being born again. And it's a gift wherein His Holy Spirit takes out our heart of stone, a heart that is cold and dead towards God. And He gives us a heart of flesh, a heart that is warm and receptive to God. He takes hearts that were spiritually dead and makes them alive. He raises our inner person, our soul, to new life, which becomes visible in our transformed lives and the way that we live. And the Holy Spirit also renews our minds. Now, Romans chapter 1 
tells us what sin does to our minds, what we are like in our minds, in our natural state. I just want to read for you verses 28 through 32 in Romans chapter 1. And since they, that's all human beings since the beginning, with one notable exception, and that would be Jesus. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. The bad news is that that is all of us in our natural state. In the natural state of our minds, we are opposed to God in this very way. The good news is that Jesus loves us there. While we were still, what? Sinners. Christ died for us. Jesus loves us there, but He loves us too much to leave us there. He wants us to know God's love and the joy of loving Him in return forever. So Jesus came to rescue us from ourselves, from our sin, from the devil, and even from death. Jesus bought you with His own life and His own death. He bought you a new heart and a restored soul, and a renewed mind that will grow more and more like His until the day that we see Him face to face. And we will see Him because He has secured all of these gifts and eternal life with His resurrection from the dead. Jesus is alive. And He is reigning as King. And the Holy Spirit, if you are in Him, indwells you and is at work in your heart and in your soul and in your mind, creating love for God and conforming us to the character and the image of Jesus Christ. And God the Father is delighting in our progress and calling us to love Him with more of who we are and giving us everything that we need to grow in that. And listen, if if this hasn't been your experience, if, if you don't know what it is like to have a new heart and a new soul and a renewed mind in Jesus Christ, then I would encourage you today, right where you are sitting, to call out to Him and ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to be your Savior and your Lord, and you will receive the new birth. And if you're a Christian today, you're struggling with idols or with your thought life or with sinful patterns, I want you to know that you are not alone. That our mind is a constant battlefield against the world and the flesh and the devil. But I would encourage you to do two things. The first would be to remember, remember that you already have a new heart. That you already have a restored soul. That you already have a renewed mind. And two, that you too would cry out to the Lord even now and ask Him to revive you again. That's what I pray for myself as I prepare this message. That's what I've been praying for you, for us as a church. That we would be so renewed and refreshed and revived in our love for God in every part of who we are. That revival would break out right 
and it would extend into our families and into our neighborhoods and into our workplaces and into our city and to the very ends of the earth. Can God do that? Do we expect Him to? Our mission is connecting people with the hope of the gospel. And my prayer is that it would be fueled with a fiery love for the living and true God. And with that prayer on our hearts and on our souls and on our minds, let's look to God's word. And I'd ask you if you are able to stand in honor of his word. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees had heard that he silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourselves. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's ask the Lord's help this morning. Oh Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this word from you, calling us to love you with all that we are. Lord, I pray this morning that you would fix our minds on you. Lord, that we would think deep thoughts of you, that we would think your thoughts after you. Lord, that our minds would be captured, would be arrested by thoughts of how great and amazing and holy and awesome and loving and beautiful is our God. Lord, please, this morning, give us a vision of you in our minds that propels us to adore you, to worship you, to love you, and to tell others about you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Theologian A.W. Tozer wrote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I thought about that quote a lot as I was preparing this message, and it really is true. To know God. To have a relationship with God. To to do what the Westminster Catechism says is our very purpose for being created. To glorify and to enjoy God. We have to think about Him. And, And we have to think true thoughts about God in our minds. We have to know about Him at some level before we can know Him. We have to know that He is the Creator. We have to know that He is triune, that He is... We don't have to to be able to understand it, right? Because I don't think any of us do. But we have to know, in our minds, we have to be able to think God is triune. He is one God in how many persons? Three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have to know that He is holy. We have to know that He is loving, so much so that He did not let us receive what our sins deserve, but came to redeem us in the person and work of Jesus. We have to understand and grasp with our minds what Jesus did for us on the cross and why we needed Him to in order to trust Him and receive salvation by grace through faith. What comes to mind when we think about God is incredibly important. 
And as I thought about that quote, I stepped back for a minute and I thought, yes, we must think true thoughts about God. But the first way, the first way to love God with our minds is to think about God in the first place. To just think about God in the first place. Do we think about God? Now, I know that we're all thinking about God right now. We all gather on Sunday mornings to together corporately think about and worship God. We always think about God when we're in this building. But as we are moving through an ordinary day or an ordinary week in our lives, are we thinking about God? Y'all, I'm a pastor. My job, literally, is to think about God. And it is scary to me how I can wake up in the morning after I hit the button, the snooze button a couple times, and, and, and roll out of bed and put some clothes on and go for a run and listen to a podcast and come back and read my Bible and pray and, and uh, fix breakfast and go up and take a shower and put on my clothes and then walk out the door and come to the place where I am employed literally to think about God all without giving any substantive thought to who God is and what He has done. And I'm betting that if that is a challenge for me, whose literal job it is to think about God, then it might also be a challenge for you. Yes? Loving God with our minds requires us to be intentional in thinking about God. Now, God is invisible. And so that's why this is a challenge for us. Because as human beings, uh, we like to say, because it's true, out of sight, out of mind. God is invisible. The, the Bible says no one has ever seen God. A little bit more on that in just a minute. We, ha- we can't see God. And so often He is out of our minds. But the truth is that everything we experience, everything that we see, everything in all creation testifies to God because He is the Creator. And one way of us cultivating love for God with all of our minds is to think about all the ways that our regular, everyday routines and experiences connect with the God who created and shaped those very experiences and routines and things that we come in contact with. My first conscious thought when I wake up in the morning ought to be about the goodness of God to me and allowing my heart to continue to beat and breath to enter and be expelled by my lungs. That I am alive on any given day is sheer cosmic generosity. Because I do not deserve it. It is a gift from a God who loves me that I enjoy His new mercies toward me for that day with all of my sins forgiven. Total access to His presence. The Holy Spirit living within me. His purpose before me. His provision all around me. My first thought every morning ought to be, how good is God. And not only is He good, He's also wise. He made the light and He made the darkness. He made the day and the night. He designed our bodies and gave us the good gift of sleep. 
He designed and implemented gravity so that when we get out of our bed, when the covers are no longer holding us down, we don't float off into space or at least to the ceiling. He created a person for me that lays in the bed beside me and is almost always still asleep when I get up. Don't tell her I told you. In his wisdom, knowing before I ever existed, that boy is going to need help. I have shelter and electricity and access to water and food and transportation because God's creative wisdom shows up in human invention and innovation. I love what Andy prayed just a minute ago about how health and prosperity we treat as normal when it hasn't been the norm in all of human history until now. Not only is God good and wise, He is also powerful. Colossians 1, 15-17 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. This is Jesus of whom it is speaking. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and listen to this, in Him all things hold together. Everything that we see visible and everything that we don't see invisible was created by our powerful God and everything is dependent on His power every millisecond for its continued existence. In Him, all things hold together. A few verses later, in this same letter, the Apostle Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not things on earth. One way for us to love God with our minds is to train our minds not to let earthly realities be an end in themselves, but a means to think about how good and how wise and how powerful and how glorious and how loving is our great God. I'd encourage you to let your surroundings and your experiences and your blessings turn your thoughts to the God that they reveal and proclaim. Intentionally, intentionally make a decision. Make a decision to set your mind from the beginning of your day and throughout your day on things above by connecting your realities to the underlying reality that created and sustains them all. A second way to love God with our minds is to think God's thoughts after Him. To think about Him in the first place and to think, about his, to think His thoughts after Him. The God who made us and everything else, the God who displays His nature and character and all that He has made has also remarkably given us access to His own mind and His own thoughts. Now, we get to know someone at a deep level when we listen intently to their thoughts expressed through their words over the course of time. Over the course of a long friendship or over the course of a a long marriage where this type of investment is made, you you can get to the point where you can confidently answer the question, what would he or she think about this? 
right? Sometimes that gets us into trouble just assuming what our friend or what our spouse is going to think about something, right? But typically, we can confidently answer the question. When we really know someone, we really listened to their thoughts expressed through their words, we can say, I know what they would think about this. You get to know their mind by listening to their thoughts revealed in their words. Well, Pastor John Piper wrote that our thinking should be wholly engaged to do all that it can to awaken and express the heartfelt fullness of treasuring God above all things, to develop a God-inspired delight in all God's thoughts insofar as He has disclosed them. To think God's thoughts after Him. Where do we have access to God's thoughts? Where has God disclosed His mind to His people? In His Word. To love God with our minds, we must cultivate the habit of thinking His thoughts after Him through His Word. This is obvious, but first, we need to read His Word. What kind of relationship can we have with someone if we never listen to what they say? How well does it work out if if we say, oh yeah, I have a great relationship with so-and-so, but we actually never listen to their thoughts as expressed through their words? We need to cultivate the daily habit of reading God's Word. And if this isn't normal for you, if you have struggled, listen, I have struggled with the daily habit in different seasons of my life of reading God's word, of listening to his thoughts expressed through his word. And here's what I recommend. I recommend starting with uh, John chapter one and just seeking to read one chapter of the gospel of John every day. So one chapter a day, I promise you it's it's less than you, you know, scroll on whatever social media platform that you uh, prefer It will take a very low commitment of time. But what we'll see in John chapter 1 is that you have access to God's thoughts about his own nature. Right? So God thinking thoughts about who he is in his very nature. So you have in John chapter 1 at the very beginning, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Right there we have Trinitarian theology that, that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, but that He is not the same person as the Father. He is same in the substance, equal in power and glory, but He is not the same person as the Father. So we have one God in three persons. And we we hear God's thoughts about creation. All things were made through Him. We have God's thoughts about redemption. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. In John 1, verse 18, we have the problem and the solution when it comes to loving God with all of our minds. We have the problem and the solution. John 1, 18. No one has ever seen God. Right? Out of sight, out of mind. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made Him known. 
The rest of the Gospel of John reveals Jesus, the one who makes God known, including insight into his innermost thoughts. You want to think the thoughts of God after him? When you get to John 17, you are going to get a full chapter of Jesus' intimate prayer uh, to the Father on the night before the cross. Read his word. Second, memorize his word. And I know immediately some of y'all are thinking, I'm too old to memorize things. No, you're not. No, you're not. I, I guarantee you that there are facts and figures and tr- you know why we call trivia trivia? Because it's trivial, right? And yet we have so much information in our brains and it's an excuse. It's a lie that we tell ourselves because it's challenging to memorize scripture that we cannot do it. No, we can people of God, we can, and we have the Holy Spirit to help us overcome whatever physical limitations we may have. When we memorize God's word, we are loving God with our minds by making his thoughts our own thoughts. And right now, my children in our school time, we, we homeschool our kids, and, 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 um, and so my wife is having them memorize the entire book of James over the course of this school year. And right now they've just finished chapter 1, James chapter 1, and they're about to start chapter 2. So now they're thinking God's thoughts after him. They're making God's thoughts their own thoughts. So, for instance, when they, whenever they're going through a difficult time for the rest of their lives, when they are faced with a trial and they wonder, what is God doing in the midst of this trial? What comes to their minds? Well, they are going to have access to His thoughts in their minds. They're going to think, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. All right, so our human response in our minds to when we face a trial is, what is God doing? But when we expose ourselves to God's thoughts, which he has given us access to, we go, oh, that's what God is doing. So my children are going to know that God has his has their best interest in his heart and in his plan for them so they can think rightly about him, trust him and love him more, not in spite of the trial, but through it and because of it. Read his word, memorize his word. And again, I would say to start small, some of you already have God's word memorized a little bit, right? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. Why would you say, okay, well, what's, what's the very next thing that you could memorize? Well, memorize the next birth. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. See? And apply His Word. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When we read and memorize God's word, we think his thoughts after him, and the Holy Spirit works those divine thoughts into our human minds, renewing them into the mind of Christ. But loving God with our minds is more than knowing who God is and knowing what God desires. It is being transformed and living differently as a result. 
Now, there are many theological minds. There are many people who, even for a living, study the Bible, even in their original languages, and they think a lot about God, but their lives are not transformed. So even though they use their minds in reference to God, they're not loving God with all of their minds because they are not applying His thoughts as He has revealed them in His Word. Reading. Memorizing and applying God's words are ways to love God with all of our mind by thinking His thoughts after Him. And listen, I know that this is a struggle. I know that our minds are a battlefield. I know that Satan is constantly attacking us in our minds, that he loves to disrupt us and to distract us and to deceive us on the battlefield of our minds. And so, brothers and sisters, we're going to fail. And when we do, we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our minds by rehearsing the good news of the gospel. To remember that when our minds are not taking every thought captive to Christ, but are held captive by our own nature or by the world or by the devil, to once again be renewed in our minds by remembering that God has already settled the score, that our failures are not the last word to us. The hymn, Jesus on my cross have taken, has a verse that really helps us. And it says soul, but I I think the sense here in the hymn is, is mind, because you're thinking. Soul then, know thy full salvation. Rise or sin, and fear, and care. Joy to find in every station something still to do or bear. Think what spirit dwells within thee. Think what father's smiles are thine. Think that Jesus died to win thee. Child of heaven, canst thou repine. Now, I would just encourage you too that whatever songs you know that proclaim the truth of God's word that are a human being thinking God's thoughts after him and and putting it in poetic form that has then been put to music for use in the church, Uh, whether that's modern worship songs, which which echo the Psalms or, or whether, like in my case, you were raised in traditional church. And so it's hymns that you would, you know, music has such a way of getting into our minds. Right. I mean, like, I don't I don't want to have a Taylor Swift song stuck in my head, but you know what? Well, by God's grace, I was in an environment as a child where I sang these beautiful classic hymns over and over again. You know, today is is Reformation Sunday. And uh, Martin Luther is widely credited as having begun a revolution, a rediscovery of the good news of salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone way back in 1517. And he wrote a hymn that helps me think God's thoughts after Him in some powerful ways. And it's actually, a lot of times, the thing that God uses to draw my mind toward loving Him with everything that I am. A mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. Our helper, He amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not His equal. 
Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Let's ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is He. Lord Sabaoth, His name from age to age the same, and He must win the battle. For though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed His truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for Him. His rage we can endure, for lo, His doom is sure. One little word shall fell Him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The Spirit and the gifts are ours, through Him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Brothers and sisters, we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our minds. Let's think about God. And let's think God's thoughts after Him through His Word. Let's ask for His help to do so. Lord, thank You for this time together in Your Word. Thank You for minds that are capable of thinking great thoughts about You. Thank You for minds that are able to apprehend with Your Spirit's help the truth of Your Word. The truth that creation reveals that you alone are God. That you have loved us from before the foundation of the world. That you have created us and redeemed us. Oh Lord, I pray that you would set our minds on things above. Forgive us, Lord, because there are so many ways in which we devote our minds to trivial things. Lord, there are so many ways in which our minds are attacked with anxiety and with depression, with intrusive thoughts, with deceiving thoughts, with self-loathing and hatred. Oh Lord, would you deliver us even now? And stay our minds on thee, oh Lord, our God, our rock and our redeemer. Lord, we so desperately need you. And in the midst of our need, Lord, remind us of the gospel. Lord, that we were once your enemies but you have seated us at your table. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you, and we thank you for this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and respond to God's word in song.